Please open your Bibles in Colossians chapter 3. Our text for this morning will be verses 1 through 4. Butterflies are one of the most beautiful creatures created by God. If you ever sit down for a while and study them, you will end up perplexed to their beauty and diversity. They come in different colors, sizes, shapes, and each one of them is a unique creature. There are more than 250,000 species of butterflies, from the smallest western pygmy blue to the largest Queen Alexandria. They all appear in wide varieties and colors and patterns. From the majestic blue morpho butterfly in South America to the exotic zebra lowing butterfly in Florida to the breathtaking emerald swallowtail found in China, each one of them display the great beauty of God in creation. What is interesting about butterfly is, what, is that, that every time you look at them, you are seeing the end product of the butterfly. Almost everyone knows butterflies begin as caterpillars. And one fascinating aspect of butterflies' life revolves around the four different stages that they experience from birth to death. They go to a painful process called Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is a biological transformation from an immature form to an adult form in different stages. In the butterfly, it begins with the egg. Then it becomes a caterpillar. Then the pupa. And finally, as an adult butterfly. A process might take 20 to 40 days. From day one to day 40, the butterfly will go through an extreme and radical change, ending in a majestic, beautiful piece of art created by God. When you compare day one to day 40, it is a totally complete transformation that is impossible to comprehend in the human eye. So it is with every believer that has been born from above. When a person repents from their sins and put all their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, God imparts a new spiritual life to that person. God, through the Holy Spirit, by the means of the word of God, replaces the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. At that instant, that person becomes a new creation. And from that day until he or she dies, that person too will go through a complete metamorphosis Very similar like the butterfly. It will go through an extreme and a radical change. Ending in a majestic and a beautiful piece of art created by God. This is the process what theologians call sanctification. And I believe our our text for today, Paul explains clearly... In a very practical way, how the believer contribute to his or her personal sanctification. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Please follow as long as I read. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here, Paul wrote this letter from the prison in Rome. The year was 61 A.D. to the church of Colossae. Colossae was a thriving city about 100 miles east of Ephesus, what is today modern Turkey. On his third missionary journey, Paul spent three years preaching the gospel in the city of Ephesus and in that area. And Luke tells us in Acts 19.10 that all who live in Asia heard of the Lord. And it's that uh, where we believe that the church of Colossae began. But soon after, problems began to rise in the church of Colossae. False teachers were introducing a heresy to the church. Most likely, these false teachers were the earliest form of a dangerous heresy known as the Gnosticism. Gnostic comes from the Greek word Gnosis, which means knowledge. These men were teaching that salvation involved Christ's plus knowledge. They claimed to have their self as superior knowledge, even beyond from Scripture. And they attacked the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. And this is for this reason, Paul explained. Go in Ivory chapter 1, go through those essential doctrines on the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. Paul reminded the church of Colossae that Christ is preeminent, that Christ is God man, fully God, fully man. And in chapter 3, verse 11, Paul summarized his Christology this way Christ is. Is all and in all. In chapter 2 verse 9. Paul said that Christ was God in bodily form. In chapter 1 verse 16. said that Christ is the creator of the world. And chapter 1 verse 20. said that Christ is the savior. To make matters worse. These false teachers were confusing the congregation. By stating that. They needed to add works to the gospel of grace. They were claiming that Christ was not sufficient. And it was necessary to keep dietary rules and observation of days in order to be safe. In other words, Christ plus this and Christ plus that. But I want you to notice the difference here in chapter 2 verse 10. And Paul told the church, Church, you have been filled in Him. In Christ you have everything. My dear church, in Christ you are complete. You don't lack of anything. All that you need for salvation and sanctification, you can find it in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you can easily imagine, the members of the church of Colossae were so confused in how to live their Christian life that they sent Epaphras, which believe he was the founder of that church in Colossae, to make a long trip to Rome, to a prison, to look for, for Paul to address his problem. And that's why Paul exhorted the church in chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ, the Lord, so walk in Him. Brothers and sisters, we cannot get it wrong. The, the sanctification, the doctrine of sanctification. We cannot afford to be confused with this great doctrine. All believers in Christ live between the time of our past justification and our future glorification in the present pursuing Christ-likeness. Every believer alive today is in the process 
of their progressive sanctification, which simply means becoming more like Christ day after day. They already experienced their initial sanctification, a justification, and they will experience in the future the final phase of sanctification, that is glorification. This is the beauty of Christianity. This is the beauty. Not only forgiveness of sins, not only eternal life, and that is important that we need those, but the beauty is that God wants to conform believers to the image of His Son. The problem that existed in in the Colossian church in the first century, it, it is the same problem the church is facing today. Many church members are struggling with how to live their Christian life. How can they live a Christian life in a way that glorifies God? Since now we are partaker of this divine nature, how can we live this Christian life? I remember when the Lord saved me in the spring of 2011. And that was my question too. I asked myself, how do I live this Christian life? I was not raised in a Christian home. I was as much as a pagan as a pagan can be. I didn't have any models in my house. But the Lord saved me by His grace and His mercy. And I told the Lord, Lord, you saved me now. My cry to Him was, what am I going to do now? How can I live this Christian life? Maybe some of you are going through the same issue. How can I live this a life that glorifies God? How can I have a marriage that displays the glory of Christ? How can I faithfully raise my children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? How can I be more more faithful to my local church? The bottom line, how can I be more like Jesus Christ. And I believe that Paul here answered all these questions here in these four verses. In this passage, we will see how the believer is sanctified by four forces. Let's see the first one. The first force that the believer is sanctified is have to be with what do you seek? What do you seek? Notice here on verse number one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Notice here how Paul, after two chapters of pure doctrine, now transition to practical applications. This is very typical in Pauline letters. Doctrine, practical application. Theology, methodology, practical, principle, and practice. Doctrine is not enough. Theology is not enough. We need to practice that doctrine, and we must apply that theology into our life. And this is what Paul wants for the Colossians, to apply their doctrine into their lives. Notice the very first application here on verse 1. Church, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Beloved, I want you to pay close attention to the grammar here. Paul opens with a first-class condition and a verb that is in the indicative mood, meaning a reality that already took place in the past in the life of the Colossians. A real experience that they went through. 
A real experience. Colossians, since you have been raised, will be a better translation, with Christ, an indicative. Notice also chapter 2, verse 20, the same Greek construction. Since you have died in Christ, with Christ, indicative, reality. And in chapter 2, verse 13, since God made you alive with Christ, another indicative, another reality. Colossians, seek an imperative verb, a mandate. Seek the things that are above. As students of the word of God, we must pay close attention to the indicative and the imperative. They are all over the Bible. Not only in in the New Testament, but in the entire Old Testament. When God wants you to do something, it's because he has a great reason for it. And those are those imperatives, those mandates. And these imperatives are not created in vacuums. They go hand on hand with those indicative, with those reality that God has already done in your life. If a person only pays attention to the indicative, what do we have? We have a quietist. All grace. Let go. Let God. We become liberals. On the other hand, if a person only paid attention to the imperative, then you, what do you have? A legalist. And both extremes are dangerous. Expositor Seminary Academic Dean Dr. Simic called it this way. The indicative and imperative motif. He said, quote, The fact of what God has done or what he has promised to do become the basis and or the incentive for us to exercise our responsibility to do, namely, to make progress in our holy living, end of quote. The basis of this imperative here in verse 1 rests on the great truth of that indicative. The basis of your internal obedience rests in the great reality what God has done in your life through Christ already. This is why in in biblical counseling, we spend a lot of time with this indicative. With this Bible truth. The counselee need to understand this indicative, this truth. We cannot move forward for the imperative if you don't understand it. And Paul continues, look at how Paul continues here. Church, since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Here, this verb seek is seteo, according to one of the main Greek lexicon, means to strive for. To desire, to seek for, to devote a serious effort to realize one desire. Notice that this verb is in the present tense. Something that already occurred in the past, but its action continues in the present. Keep seeking is the idea. Keep seeking. Keep striving. Keep desiring. Don't stop. Keep on keeping on seeking the heavenly things. Stop following the curse of this world. Stop loving this world and the things of this world. Stop. Keep on thinking. Keep on seeking. Divorce from this world system. And keep seeking the things above. Here, the things above refer to the sphere of heaven. It is the kingdom of heaven. And it's where the throne of God is. Seeking has to do with the orientation of the will. And Paul wants the Colossians to be preoccupied with the kingdom of heaven. All the time. To be preoccupied with with heaven is to be preoccupied with the things of God. 
is to be preoccupied with his purpose, with his divine plan, with his provisions, with his power, with his agenda. Be preoccupied with God's agenda while you're here on earth. And notice that Paul gives a motivation. A motivation to these Colossians. To keep seeking in the heavenly places. And the end of verse 1. What is the motivation? The glorious Christ. The glorious Christ. Notice there in verse 1. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Do we need a better motivation than this? The glorious Christ. That was Paul's biggest motivation. And notice here, the main emphasis in this passage is Christ. Christ is mentioned five times. Verse 1, with Christ, where Christ is. Verse 3, with Christ. Verse 4, when Christ. And at the end of verse 4, with Him in glory. With Christ in glory. What you seek will determine your outcome in your progressive sanctification. Here, seated at the right hand of God, is a figure of speech conveying exaltation, a position of honor and prominence. This is Christ's seed of divine authority because he has defeated the forces of evil and death. This is where the glorious king right now is interceding for you and me. This is a place of holiness, of power, of authority. And that's where our king is. Some Christians do not advance in their progressive sanctification because they cannot see this glorious Christ. This glorious King. They are so preoccupied with things of this world that they can see the beauty and the majesty of this glorious King. I think one of the key texts for our progressive sanctification is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. If you mind, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Here, Paul speaking in the context of the new covenant. He said, And we all... We unveil fa- with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This word here, transform, is the Greek word metamorpho. Where we get the English word metamorphosis. It is a complete transformation from the inside out. The more, listen beloved, the more we behold Christ and his glory as revealed in scripture, the more we will be transformed to his image. The more we spend time with Christ, the more we will advance in our Christian life. You keep seeking Christ and His glory, and you will be transformed from one glory to another. This is very critical in our sanctification process. Currently, in our Hispanic Bible study, every Sunday we're going through the Gospel of Mark. This is our second year already. We're in chapter 12. And I'm going very slow, verse by verse. First, 
I want to know more of the Lord and His glory. And every verse that you go explaining the life of Christ, it's amazing the change that does to your heart. And I want them to know who is Christ. So much confusion in the Hispanic church. I want them to get to know who is Christ and His glory. Because that's the only thing that will transform their life. Christ and His glory. Because we have a new life in Christ. And this supreme Lord is reigning in the heavenly places. These should be our basis to do what is required of us and to pursue holiness. Desire godliness. Going back to Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Let's see the second force. The second force with the, with which the believer is sanctified by has to do with where you aim your mind. Where you aim your mind. Verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. As one commentator said, you must not only think heaven, you always think heaven. Here Paul gives us another imperative, another mandate to obey. Froneo, which means to set one's mind on, and carries the idea of giving a careful consideration to something. This is the same verb Paul uses in Philippians 2.5. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Give a careful consideration to your thinking process. And notice that this verb is also in the present tense. So the idea is, keep on thinking. Don't stop thinking. Beloved, we need to be preoccupied with the eternal things all the time. Day and night. At home. At work. At church. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yes, we have many responsibilities here on earth. And yes, we must do all of them with excellence for the glory of God. But we are aiming towards heaven all the time. Brothers and sisters, we must have our feet on the ground, but our minds in heaven. In other words, other words, living heaven on earth. That's the mindset. And a good question will be why we should keep on thinking on this thing above, on heaven. The Bible gives us a few reasons. Why? We should set our mind in heaven because that's where God is. Matthew 6, 9. Our Father who is in heaven. We should set our mind in heaven because that's where Christ is. We already went through that in verse 1. We should set our mind in heaven because our names are recorded there. Luke 10, 20. Rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. We should set our mind in heaven because we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 We should set our mind in heaven because our citizenship is in heaven. Brothers, we are aliens and strangers in this world. Our citizenship is it is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 And that's the place we aim our mind 24-7 day and night. We are responsible 
for our thoughts. And Paul described this preoccupation as being transformed by the renewer of the mind. Remember uh, Romans 12 too? Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Metamorphose. Be transformed. By what? By the renewer of the mind, of your mind. A complete transformation from the inside out. And you will say, Andres, how do you do that? How do you renew your mind? Well, go down a few verses here in in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. How do you renew your mind? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching admonishing one another in all wisdom. The more time you spend in the Bible, the more your mind will be renewed. The more time you spend under the ministry of the Word of God, the more you will be transformed in the Christ likeness. Be preoccupied with Christ. Saturate yourself with Christ. Get to know the mind of the Lord. People. Spend some time with the Lord. He's the greatest treasure that you will ever have in this life and in the life to come. My brothers and sisters, if you're not spending much time with Christ, you are wasting your time. Throw your iPhone to the lake if it's necessary. Don't throw it if your only Bible is there. (laughs) Spend some time with the Lord. He is so precious. Be careful with what you think all the time. Keep setting your mind in Christ. Keep aiming your mind in heaven. Let's see the third force. The third force with which the believer is sanctified by has to do with how you see your life. How you see your life. Verse 3. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here Paul gives us the reason why we should obey the two mandates in verses 1 and 2. Paul now grounds the imperative with the indicative. Exhortation rests on theological foundations. Remember that. When we understand the why. The house will take care of themselves. Verse 3. For you have died. Stop there for a minute. Paul already covered this truth in chapter 2 verse 20. With Christ you die. Every Christian has died to sin. In Romans 6 to 8. Paul explained the totality of this great doctrine. We went through this great doctrine with Pastor Shane many years ago. Christ not only died for us, that is substitution, but we die with him, that is identification. Christ not only died for sin, bearing his penalty, but he died unto sin, breaking its power. Because we are in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit, we also die with Christ. We die to the dominion of sin. We die to this world. We die to ourselves. 
And that is our true identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our true identity. And where is our life now? Look at the text. Second part of verse 3. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. We keep on seeking, seeking and thinking on heavenly things because we no longer belong to this world. Instead, we belong to Christ. We are Christ's slave. We are Christ's property. We're not our own. According to the Greek lexicon, Bidak, hidden here refers to hide someone in a safe place. Hidden. Hide someone in a, in a safe place. And I believe this is, this is referring to the safety and the security that the believer has in Christ Jesus. Believers are hidden in a safe place with Christ. Jesus is a good shepherd. And under his pastoral care, we are safe and secure. Remember John chapter 6, verse 39, when Jesus said, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up unto the last day. And we can hold on to that promise with certainty. Notice there, at the end of verse 3, hidden with Christ in God. Believers have a personal relationship with God the Father and God the Son. This safety and security is locked together with the Father and the Son. I like it how the famous Greek scholar A.T. Robertson put in this way, in that phrase, Christ in God, quote, no hellish burglar can break that combination. End of quote. This is glorious. They can take your business away. They can take your job away. They can take your asses away. They can even take your family away. They can even take your life away. But doesn't matter. You may say, why? Because your life is hidden. Hidden with Christ in God. Nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor powers, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah for that text. No one. Christ is our safety. Christ is our security. And because you know this, you understand this, you will not have any trouble obeying those mandates on verse 1 and verse 2. You're seeing God's work. We obey Him because one he has done and continue doing in our life. Our obedience is a matter of love. Of a true God. And in Christ. So as a review. To grow in our sanctification. We must pay attention to. What we seek. Where we aim our minds, how we see our life, and four, what we expect. Our fourth force of sanctification 
is when you expect glory. Verse 4. If I can read it here. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Christ is the creator of life. Christ is the word of life. Christ does, does not merely give life, and he is the life. But Christ is your life. I want you to ponder in that phrase for a minute. To meditate in that phrase. I have I've heard so many times from many people living my Christian life is so difficult. It is so hard to live my Christian life. To that I replied, it is not difficult. It is impossible. The only way you can live your Christian life is with Christ. There's no other way, beloved. With Christ. And Paul stated this great truth in Galatians 2.20. I read it for you. Don't look for it. I have been crucified with Christ. Listen to this. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Just as the Son is the center of the universe... Christ, it is the center of the believer's universe. Do you know that? We love Christ and we live for Christ. And we should live Christocentric life. This is our fourth year here in faith community church. And Marilla and I, we love this church. We love Faith Community Church. Why? Because this is a Christocentric church. Christ is the preeminence in this church. You can see it through the godly leaders or godly elders. And you can see it in a loving and a caring congregation. Because this church preoccupy with Christ. And if you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. But you must take this into your consideration. A Christocentric church. A church that preoccupies. That is consumed with Christ. And notice here how Paul continues in verse 4. Let's see if our finite mind can digest this text. And when this glorious Christ appears, then you also will appear with him in glory when the believer comes to Christ in repentance and faith positionally God placed the believer in heaven remember Ephesians 1 3 God has blessed us with Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places Romans 8 30 said that believers have been already glorified. Don't deal by God. Take it to the bank. This is amazing. But this glory 
simply has not yet been revealed. Right now, this world system hate God, reject Christ. Right now, this world cannot see Christ. The world cannot see the believers in Christ. But there will be a day that this world will see this glorious Christ with all his saints. One day this glorious Christ will come as the King of kings, Lord of lords. And he will come in a white horse to make war and judge the nations. As a supreme king. Revelation chapter 19. And if you want, if, please follow me here in chapter 19. Turn to chapter 19 of Revelation, please. I want to read you something quick. Because we need to read that text. And I encourage you to, to read the entire chapter in his context. Here is Paul talking, uh, excuse me, the John talking about the second coming of Christ. Check verse 14. Revelation 19, verse 14. I want you to see that. Talking about the second coming of Christ. And verse 14 says, And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on the white horse. Who is that army? That's the church. And also, I believe, also with angels. But that's the church. One day, the world will see Christ, not only Christ, but they will see all the saints in glorified bodies following him in white horses as well. Are you living a life today expecting for this glorious day? It's my question this morning. Because this is another reality. Because if you do, this will help you to live a life consecrated to God, constantly killing sin, separated from this world system, and living a Christocentric life. This is the hope that sanctifies that the Apostle John was talking about in 1 John chapter 3. Everyone who is waiting for Christ's appearance purifies himself and he is pure. 1 John 3 verse 3. When, when you expect a glory like this, you desire to live a holy life because your king will put you on display worldwide. Are you expecting for this glorious day? Are you living with the end on mind? My beloved church, from the divine aspect, sanctification is the internal, supernatural, and sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. That means you, cannot, you can do nothing by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit. But we cannot be passive in our Christian life. From the perspective of human responsibility, we must be active in our Christian life. Philippians 2.12 tells, God calls us to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we all know that Paul is referring here to our progressive sanctification since no one can earn their salvation. Be preoccupied with God's agenda. 
Be preoccupied with your local church. Be preoccupied making disciples. Be preoccupied with your personal holiness. You shall be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. My beloved church, be who you are in Christ Jesus. This is the hallmark of true spirituality and the starting point of practical holiness. We must be active in our personal sanctification. And just as the butterfly displays her beauty through the rays of the sun, one day, in the future final phase, phase of your sanctification process, that is glorification, you too will display the beauty in a glorified body Beholding the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. Till then, let us fix our eyes on Jesus and run our race with endurance for the joy set before us. Church, Keep your feet on the ground. But have your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's stand and let's finish with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for for this, this text. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word. Your word is a lamb to our feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these great reminders. We desperately need them. Lord, may may we be preoccupied with your agenda, with heaven, with Christ. May the glory of Christ never depart from this place. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here in Faith Community Church. Thank you for helping me, give me the opportunity to serve them, to serve your people. Your holy nation, a church that love and live for Christ, a church that love one another. May you keep on blessing faith community church as we continue exalting the name of Christ, as we all together keep beholding at his glory, and may we be transformed into his image. May we become like Christ every day in our life. In his precious name we pray. Amen.